Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Cooley. Hello, Mustang fans, and welcome to another Ford Performance Edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I'm your host, John Clore, and as the Enthusiast Communications Manager for Ford Performance, I hope you are reading my efforts in the Enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com every single week. And as always, my co-host is Mustang hobby guru Mike Ray, who also happens to be the president of Moxham, which is the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan. Mike, tonight, I don't know how you get these great people to come on our podcast, but you did it again. You know, tonight's guest is a very, very special dear friend of mine, and uh, I there's nobody that I've had more respect for ever than our, our guest tonight, and just just a great human being. And every time I get to see him, it's just it's always an honor just to be in his presence and just chit chat and talk with him. And he's just a normal guy, so he's not. You know, that's why I love Ford and the hobby. There's nobody that stands or thinks they're bigger or better than anybody. And I mean, just just what an amazing human being we have for tonight's guests. Well, folks, we like to drop big names. And tonight we're going to drop a really big name, probably one of the most legendary names in all of uh, Ford's Mustang history. And tonight our special guest is Aaron Shelby. Yes, the Aaron Shelby, the grandson of uh, none other than the man himself, Carol Shelby, Aaron, we really appreciate you coming on tonight for our podcast. Uh, John and Mike, I'm really happy to do it. Mike, that was awfully glowing. I don't know. That's uh, that's a lot to live up to, but... uh... (laughs) No, you're you're amazing, man. Since the first time I ever got to meet you, I think we just clicked right away, and um, and like I just I greatly appreciate your friendship. Um, likewise, it's been it's been a lot of fun, and look forward to many more years to come. You know, it's a uh, it's a great honor for me to be able to do what I do, and and I watched my grandfather do this for a long time, and he always said meeting the people was the best part of it. And he was right. Oh yeah, that you know, and Aaron, a lot of people they'll see you at an event. And um, they don't know what Mike knows and what I know that you are approachable. A man with the, with the name Shelby, you know, there are some people that with a big name. There, you know, they they people approach them like celebrities that they're, they're they're not worthy to talk to you. But you've been so kind and so generous with your time and so approachable with people that got to meet you. They were very excited that we're getting you on the podcast tonight because uh, you really do the entire Shelby family. Uh, a, a lot of justice and the pride that the, that you have of being a Shelby, but hey, hey John, you know I got to tell right now the first yeah. time how I met Aaron. Um, okay. So I was on the Ford launch team, obviously for the GT350, and uh, it was 2013, and we were in Gardenia for the launch. Uh, when Mr. Farley, everybody was there, and um, you know everybody spoke. But after it was done and over, you know there were some photo op- opportunities. So I uh, asked Aaron and uh, Henry the Third if we could actually take a picture together, and I got a picture with the three. I was standing in the middle of both of them, and I posted that, and I said I'm standing with the future, and uh, that's one of my favorite pictures and favorite quotes of all time and then then i got to run in darren at the 50th in vegas uh on there and then our friendship just kind of developed from there with the bear jackson auctions and at woodward and seeing them here and there so um but it was a great story so i met him and henry at the same time and got a picture with them of, of course right john uh, yeah um, yeah, but- <laughs> yeah of course you did because that's who you do but a Ford on one side and a Shelby on the other side. And I was just so nervous to ask them <laughs> for a picture, um, but they were both very gracious and we did it. And I treasure that picture to this day. Well, like Aaron Henry's the same way and a very approachable guy. Uh, but Aaron, 
you know, what people may not know is that um, you're actually you're a vice president at a bank in Dallas. You're, you're not That's actually, exactly right. So, so, that, so you have a day job. Yes. Yes, I do. And it's been, uh, I've been fortunate. Obviously they're pretty generous with my time as long as I get all my work done. And, um, it's evolved a bit over the years when we, when I started this, uh, my family owned the bank I was at and we were, you know, I was able to kind of craft my time around that. We got bought by another local bank here in the Dallas market and grew a little bit. I, you know, took some more responsibility, but, told them up front that part of my deal is that I get to take some time off as needed to go to events and represent the Shelby brand, which I'm fortunate to be able to do. And then uh, as things go in banking, we got bought again uh, back in late 2019 by a larger bank out of Houston. And I expressed the same to them. And they're like, we don't really care. Just as long as you get your work done, you can do whatever you want on the sides. Well, (laughs) but the the problem with that, Aaron, is you are also on the board of the Carol Shelby Foundation. So that's got to take some time as well. So you kind of kind of juggle both of those jobs at the same time. Well, it is. And then I've, I've, you know, two other aspects to that as well. We've got a Shelby family office, meaning my dad and brothers and I, so not uh-huh. car related, but our family businesses that we operate as well. And so I spend a little time on that. And then I've got, you know, two boys and a, and a wife as well. So I've got to have some family time in there also. And, and Wait my a minute, you have a life? Yeah. <laughs> that's not right mike ray tell me can't do that. Uh, i tell you it's uh it gets to be a lot sometimes but I, my, my we thought we're busy boys are really yeah my, my wife and boys are super patient with me and uh you know as long as i can schedule everything out properly i gotta, gotta do everything i like to do so how do you get um i mean you must get a thousand requests to i know mike ray calls you every week anyway but um <laughs> but you must get a thousand requests to be places and you you know with with team shelby so active in the in the hobby and all the events that go on not just you know on your end of the world in texas or or in las vegas or or on the west coast but pretty much everywhere aaron do you have like an admin trying to keep your schedule and you're flying all over the place or are you just trying to pick and choose among which ones are the best fit for you as as a shelby so if if I was smart, yes, I would have an admin. I've had that pointed out to me more than once, uh, but I just do it on my own. You know, I've got, you, you, get, you guys both know Scott Black with Timepiece PR. He obviously helps coordinate a yep. lot of Shelby events and Ford yeah. events. And so I do rely on him for upcoming events. Um, that doesn't keep people from reaching out directly to me to see if I'm involved, if I can get involved in something. And right. I try and do what I can, but it is, it's a balancing act. And I try not to do more than maybe I'd say two events a month. And sometimes a lot of times one of them a month, uh-huh. just because in between that there are, you know, I go to Dearborn with Gary Patterson three to four times a year, typically for meetings that are actually business related. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, we've got to get to Vegas a couple of times a year for what's going on out there. And there's usually one or two trips for foundation out in Los Angeles as well. And so it is a lot to juggle, but I do try and work those things around events. So if I can spend, you know, the first day on the foundation, the second day or two is the event, then I can plan that. Um, it's a lot of juggling. And and I'm having to write things down a lot more. And my, you know, I'm, I'm getting older and my mind's not quite <laughs> as good as it used to be, so. That's a mental post-it note. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, exactly. a lot of people were asking us when they wanted to talk about you that, you know, it's, uh, you had, your grandfather was, was the Carol Shelby. You had the, those basic experiences with him, uh, but it, it didn't get really tied into the, the Shelby business, the Shelby automobile stuff until you got older. But you have to go way back when you, you must have had, 
knowing that that Grandpa's Carol was was into cars like no other person on earth. Well, most definitely. And it's interesting. So I was born in 1971. And so Carol was not in the car business then. And we, we lived in Dallas a little bit. We moved out to Los Angeles. And my father was his partner on in a wheel manufacturing company, Carroll Shelby Wheels, starting around 1974 or so, going up through about the late 80s. And so I kind of knew him just as a grandfather, because while he did some car things as far as events and stuff, was 70, I was too young to know any of that. He wasn't involved with a car company. So my first real exposure to kind of getting to an idea of who he was is when he joined Chrysler with the Iacocca in 1981, 82 timeframe. And, you know, all of a sudden he's on the front of magazine covers and he's, they're writing all these articles and all those articles typically started with his history. You know, right. and this is the guy that did the Shelby Mustangs and he won Le Mans and da, da, da. And so I got to read a bit about that, but he never talked about it. I mean, that was just one of those things. And some of it's probably his generation. Some of it was probably just his personality. It just wasn't something he talked about when he came over to the house for dinner or, or whatnot. You know, I heard about his golf trip, golfing trips, and I heard, you know, we would, when we lived in LA, he lived in a high rise apartment building in Bel Air, and my mom would take my brother and I over there to go swimming in the pool. And, you know, it's, it was just kind of normal grandfather stuff. He'd so show up became, at the house with a bag full of ice cream and candy for us. You know? <laughs> when you became of age, then did he try to get you into a Chrysler? No, he, it was funny. So <clears throat> I wanted one, you know, who doesn't want a car with their name on it. And that was, I turned 16 in 1987 and my, I had a cousin that was a bit older. Um, and he had gotten one of the first, I think it was a charger if I remember right. So maybe 82, 83 when those oh, first yeah, came out. Charger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so he is, as a lot of kids do, you know, he went out probably got some speeding tickets and got in trouble here and there. And so after that, you know, I pushed hard for one and my parents like, yeah, you, one, you don't get a new car when you turn 16. That's not going to happen. And two, yeah. you certainly don't need a Shelby. And I, I pleaded with, with Carol, um, my grandfather at one point, he's like, yeah, when you're 16, you don't need this. You know, let's, well, I learned my lesson with, with your cousin. Let's go ahead and uh, just pass on that for now. And maybe after a couple of years, if you can prove yourself, then maybe we can talk about that. Oh, so wow. that never did materialize for me. And, uh, you know, I wasn't motivated enough to go earn a whole lot of money and go, you know, combat everybody and go buy one on my own. So I, uh, I just did my thing and, and my parents were nice enough to get me a nice used car when I turned 16. And I kept that for several years and it got me through high school. Well, did you have, uh, and as you grew up, you got through high school, you got into, you know, the, the banking industry, I suppose, after you got out of college and you wanted to, you know, to, to stay close to your grandfather. But then, you know, he as he got closer and closer to uh, reenacting all these wonderful memories with Ford Motor Company back uh, in the, just after the turn of 2005, when Ford management had changed, um, did you decide that maybe you wanted to get a little bit closer to him or get more closer to the car business or learn more about it? Or did he pretty much go into that whole SVT era on his own and you were just still grandpa and grandson? Yeah, he went into most of that on his own, but a little bit of backstory on that. So, you know, I, I really liked the Dodge Chrysler years when he finished up there you know, the last thing he really did was he got to drive the Viper as the pace car at Indy in 1991. And I was able to fly out and spend a couple of days with him for that. And Saturday was press day. He was taking the press for hot laps. And so I got to uh, hop in the car for a lap with him. And so that's really one of my best memories with him is Uh is getting to do that. And that was less than a year after his heart transplant. 
And so there was a lot of conversation on, does this guy at this age with a heart transplant need to be driving a pace car at 140 miles an hour? <laughs> so <laughs> uh, he couldn't stop him, of course. But uh, it no, was, no. Um, so that was a great memory. And so I, yes, I, I had talked to him a lot when I got out of school and when he was getting ready to graduate and how can I go work for a car company? And, and his commentary essentially was, you don't want to work for a car company. You want to work for yourself and then you can work with a car company. And I said, well, I don't have the ability to do that just yet. So I joined the banking world. I did spend some time in the late nineties actually working for him directly, not in cars, but managing some of his businesses and properties in East Texas. And I'll tell you, I did that for about nine months and I realized that I loved him as a grandfather and I did not want him as a boss or a partner. So, <laughs> which my oh, dad warned me ahead you. of time. And yeah, dad warned <laughs> me ahead of time and it came true. So um, there really wasn't ever a time where he just said, hey, why don't you come join us on this? And I, he knew I loved all this, as did my brothers and, and my cousins. But, you know, it was I talked to him later in life on why didn't we get invited to more stuff. And, and if I ever asked for to go to something, he was spot on with tickets or an invitation. And sure, let's come on out and do it. But he was never one to kind of offer up, hey, this you know Pebble Beach is going on. You guys want to come out here for the weekend? And it was never that because he didn't. I think he didn't want to feel like he was obligated to watch over us and make sure everything was going well. And he obviously always had enough on his plate to keep him busy that he didn't need to be worrying about family running around. So, um, yeah, that was, I, I always enjoyed it, but there wasn't really ever a spot. And plus it's Carol Shelby. I mean, how do you, <laughs> how do you, how do you partner with that or join with that and, and kind of make it work? Cause he was always going to do what he wanted to do. Didn't really matter what anybody else said. So <laughs> he sure had a strong will. That's for sure. But Aaron, do you, do you feel the the pressure of of having this Shelby legacy now because you got one foot in the automotive world with the with the Shelby and Shelby American? Is there is there any pressure that goes along with that? You know, I don't I don't think I view it as pressure. I view it as opportunity. Um, one of the most fun things that I get to do, as I mentioned, I go to Dearborn a few times a year. I love to work with the engineering and the marketing teams up there on what's kind of coming down the pipeline. And the fact that a lot of those folks worked with Carol, you know, back from 07 to, to 12 uh, on those vehicles, and they just have such a passion for it. And they always have great stories about working with him on this project or that project. I just view it as an honor for me to be able to continue that relationship on. Okay. And I think, you know, Carol wants the company and wanted the company to continue on, we'll say into perpetuity for easiness, but you know, he set us up well with that. We've got Gary Patterson at the helm in Las Vegas, who does a fantastic job. You know, Gary and I work really well together, and I wouldn't want anybody else in that position right now. He's done a great job on shepherding us through the last 10 years. Yeah, and, that, you know, it's a constantly evolving uh, business, and that's uh, it's. I know it's kind of difficult, but the enthusiasts don't see it that way. They see, I mean, the Shelby name is is the name, and, you know, with the with the movie Ford versus Ferrari, with Carol being portrayed in so many different ways. The people that know him have stories about, uh, you know, what, what kind of a guy he was. But he, generally, would you consider him an idea guy? Because he was always getting into new stuff and kind of pushing. He wasn't just happy to just build what he was building. He was always looking for the next thing. I, John, I think you're spot on with that. And that's what I, I actually describe him that way quite a bit. He was an entrepreneur through and through. And he was an idea guy. He woke up at two in the morning with ideas. He woke up at eight in the morning. He thought about them before he went to bed. And so for him, it was a matter of how you 
act on all these ideas. You know, he wasn't an engineer. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't, it wasn't that he couldn't get his hands dirty, but it wasn't his thing. His thing was let's come up with this idea and then trying to find the people that can make that work. But but as a banker, you have to be able to, you know, there's a lot of risk in all these entrepreneurial ideas. There's so much risk. I mean, how did he, it seems like he always wound up on the better side of it most of the time. I mean, Uh, a lot of times he did. A lot of times he did not, but it didn't really stop him. And that's, I think goes back to his entrepreneurial characteristics. You know, it's, he was not afraid of failure at all. He, uh, you know, I can think in my lifetime, he was rich and poor at least a half a dozen times. You know, it, if he had nothing in the bank, that didn't bother him one bit. If he had, you know, a couple million dollars in the bank, that didn't, he didn't think twice about it. It just, that wasn't his goal. His goal was to create and and innovate new things. And that's really what always drove him, in my opinion. Well, to be you know in, in this business and to you know Ford is what 119 years old now and uh, look at all the changes how society changes but Carol just had some way some method to figure out what people liked and wanted and and to try to push their buttons and uh, I know it, is it something for you to see now that uh, coming out of the factory in Flat Rock, Michigan, are Mustangs with the Shelby name emblazoned on them? It's really special, and I have been uh, fortunate twice to go tour Flat Rock and kind of walk the whole line and meet meet some of the workers that are first time was bringing out GT three fifties, last time was bringing out the GT five hundreds, and it's really something special to be able to see those come down the line and that Shelby emblem gets put on those vehicles coming yeah. out the door. Um, to think back on what on what he created along with the team at Ford Motor Company at the time and his his group of uh, workers in Southern California, it's, you couldn't do that today, obviously world's changed too much, but even back then, who else did that? They're just, it just didn't happen that much. And I think that speaks to his, his spirit. Some, it speaks to his sales ability and personality for sure. You know, everybody was his best friend and he could, (laughs) he could sell anything to anybody. Um, (laughs) But at the same time, you know, he, he could be kind of a difficult guy to get along with and he wasn't afraid of yelling at people and, and trying to set some tone for things. And so it was, um, he's an interesting man. And, and as they say, one of those that they definitely broke the mold on, you know, we, I think all of us in the family got a little bit of his genes, but nobody got all of his genes. <laughs> well, we're just happy that you're even part of it because uh, bringing uh, his legacy to life, every time you go to an event and they, Oh, Aaron Shelby's here, it, whether you know it or not, Aaron, it makes a difference. I know Mike and I, talk about this all the time that there are people in the hobby you're so excited that they come to something and there are people in the hobby that you really don't care if they are there <laughs> but yes, you know, yes. no they they don't make a difference <laughs> but for, for us uh it was very strange after being you know you you grow up on you know about the muscle car you know what carol and the shelby mustang did to the ford mustang legacy you know what all that meant and then they had the bunky nutsons come in and um, you know, the Boss 02 program and Ford raced its own stuff and Shelby went to Chrysler. And uh, But when when we saw Carol walk in the door at SVT and um, and all of a sudden that 06 SVT Cobra, he went back into the room and looked at it and made some changes with how Tai Tang. And then he says, you know, if I were to build a Mustang myself, you guys are getting it right. And it kind of made you get that tingling inside. Like we're we're in the right enthusiast vein and Carol Shelby said so. And how is it that that magic that was so big for the boomers 
now young kids know what a Shelby Mustang means. It's got to mean something to your family to know that you've skipped across generations and still have the respect of enthusiasts. Oh, you're exactly right. And that's one of the things I enjoy most about going to, you know, whether it's just simple kind of cars and coffee events or, or some of the Team Shelby stuff that focuses a little bit on the more new product. You've got more and more younger generation folks getting in these vehicles. And what I like is there's a lot of females getting in these vehicles as well. Yep. You know, we really, with some of the track days we've been doing and some of the other events, it's drawing in a, a really broad audience and they love what the brand represents. Almost to a T, none of them ever met Carol because most of them have gotten involved in the last 10 years. Um, but they get what the history is and, and they like to learn more about the history. And so it's fun for me to expand on that. And when we can get them out to Las Vegas for the Shelby Bash, for instance, and yeah. that we do every year, so many people, it's the first time event, they're like, we're coming back. And we've got so many people now that have been there for 10 or 12 or 15 years to all of them. And it's a great way to get just a family together. And I think that's really what I, Carol would be impressed with today. It was still a very family-oriented and family atmosphere company and and event schedule that we have. Well, hey, Mike, uh, do you ever get thinking of get uh, Aaron out to like uh, uh, Gingerman during the Woodward Week and include him with a bit Gary Patterson and the team Shelby does out there? Do you ever think you can scare him to come to Michigan and do that in, in South Haven? Well, I, I would love to, but I, like we mentioned a million times, he does have a day job. <laughs> so, um, but you know, Aaron's been at Woodward multiple times. Um, I've tried to have him at, um, you know, Mustang memories before too, but usually he's got to get back on Sunday to oh. get back to work on Monday morning. But, um, I got a good story too, from Woodward a few years back. I, I was, I think it was my last year at Roush and he was just walking by and, you know, cause we were in the Ford lot and came by and me and him just started talking. And then Natasha, uh, Mustang Marie, Mm-hmm. Took a, he wanted to get a picture of us together. And then everybody's like, Mike, who is that you just took a picture with? And I said, it was Aaron Shelby. And they're like, oh, my God, how do you know Aaron Shelby? You know, and it was, <laughs> it's just, you know, it, like I said, we're all one big family that's, uh, you know, when we travel the circuit together, we're, we're all at the events together. So, I mean, that's the way, the best way I describe it is that we are all one big Mustang family and uh, all have love and respect for each other and, uh, you know, working with each other and, you know, leaning on each other. That's how we make stuff happen. Happen. And uh, like I said, and Aaron, I didn't know. I thought you were much younger than me, too. I was born in 1971 as well. So we're the same age, too. That's even more crazy. Fantastic. Yeah, that is for sure. Well, quit, yeah, throwing, 1970, quit throwing 1971 <laughs> around because yes, that is the year that I graduated <laughs> from high school. Oh, I thought it was college, John. <laughs> yeah, right. right. I was one of the few people to go through college in three terms, Nixon, Ford, and Carter. And that was <laughs> no, so anyway, guys, uh, the, the thing I really wanted to impress upon Aaron is that, you know, Mike, you and I talk about this so much that, you know, in, in the automotive world, just have someone, uh, even if it's the grandson of, of Carol, to go out there and still represent and be involved with the, with the uh, being on the board of the foundation and getting involved with Team Shelby and coming to enthusiast events just to keep that going because so many people, it's, you know, there's so many companies that have a name, you know, they're authentic names, but they're long disassociated uh, from the, the originals and, and having Aaron there as part of this Shelby legacy, it, it makes all the difference in the world. You know, Aaron, when I do a presentation, I talk about car companies with no heritage. And when I talk about Ford's heritage, I will throw a picture of Carol up next to one of his Shelby Mustangs. And I go, is that a gimmick? That's Carol Shelby. That's the, the real deal. 
when you don't have heritage, you have to have a gimmick. And when you need a gimmick, you generally start with dancing hamsters. And then <laughs> yeah. we have we have real heritage with 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 Carol Shelby and Aaron. You have no idea how strong of an influence it makes when you do go to events and stay connected. And I just hope that uh, no matter what the bank tells you. Uh, you, need more, <laughs> you need more time to keep yeah, this Yeah, well, I, I do. Yeah, I appreciate it. And it's fun. I'm looking forward to this weekend. I'm actually going up to Sonoma. We've got the NorCal SAC uh, annual oh, yeah. mini nats up there. And so I'm going to be up there this weekend with them. And that's a great group of guys. They'll have uh, both vintage and, and newer stuff out there. And we've got some fun stuff planned. And then I've got, um, unfortunately, what does conflict with Woodward a lot is Pebble Beach. And so I'll be out there. Yep. Uh, for several days later in yeah. August. I'm looking forward to that. It's obviously the 60th anniversary of Shelby American this year. So there's a few fun things at the track going on with that. And then uh, Lincoln's 100th anniversary. So we got a lot of Ford executives that are going to be out that direction as well. So it's going to be an action-packed week as it normally is. Well, you know, uh, we have to ask you this because Mike Ray turned into uh, a turncoat uh, when it came to Mustang with Ford product and Carol Shelby would, would put, make anything go fast. And I know right now that Shelby American uh, loves uh, making some F one fifties go fast with the Shelby name on a truck. Do you think Carol would be okay with making F one fifties or even Broncos with the Shelby name on? Oh yes. <laughs> I don't know if you, uh, you know, I mean, again, he was, he was a, a thinker, and so he always liked to look forward on what was going on. Back in his late, that's what we'll call it the early 90s, but again, late time at Chrysler, he did, he just, not for sale, but he modded up several Ram trucks and got, I think he was up to 600 horsepower in a couple of them. At the, oh. So early 90s, that's a lot of horsepower. Oh, God. And he'd drive them back and forth from LA to Vegas and just, you know, they were very indiscreet. They didn't have much on them, but when he pressed the pedal, it went. <laughs> and he loved trucks. You know, he did do a Dodge Dakota. Um, I, I Shelby actually, version. yeah, I, when I was at Auto Week, I <laughs> drove a Shelby Dakota and yeah. I did the, did the uh, review in Auto Week magazine. And I got to tell you, with that Shelby name on the side, a lot of people did the double takes. There's a Shelby truck. But, you know, I don't know if you know this, but Mike Ray with Moxham has fallen in love so hard with Bronco that he's created, ready for this, Boxham, the Bronco owners and mike don't you have like more than 10 or 12 members now yeah we're uh i think we might have just passed 900 today so uh yeah it's growing pretty rapidly and you know it's such a great following there's a lot of uh crossover members from moxham too that are now you know getting a bronco for their daily driver and another fun car so yeah i think that's great and it all leads to what carol's motto was right you know they always asked him what his favorite car was the next one right so <laughs> exactly I mean, yeah, and he, he wanted you to drive them you know he didn't want you to just put it in the garage he wanted you to get out and drive this stuff and so that's where i think what i see with our truck clients yeah. they get used i mean there's nobody that's just buying that and sticking in a garage they're either daily drivers or they're you know on shelby raptors or getting them out in the dunes and they're getting them out in the desert or out down on a ranch and really running them hard yeah, um, and i, and I, I love them like crazy yeah, as soon as i get them in they're gone he's spoken like a true texan we're using his f-series <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, so we just it's funny, but um, it's you know the Bronco's the same thing. It was, I would love to be able to get a Shelby Bronco out. It's um, you know we've got some great designs on on that, but we've got some supply chain issues, and there's such demand on those as, as you guys both know. It's kind of hard to get some things going. But one of these yeah. days, hopefully, we'll have something like that rolling. So, is there ever going to be a chance for one of your kids to come to you and say, "Dad, you know, I need a GT500 for my 
graduation present? <laughs> They're going to have to wait a little while for that. I've got my own GT500 coming. They might get oh. to drive it a little bit, but uh, oh. it won't be in their name. That's for sure. Uh, so, so just like Grandpa Carol said, uh, not a car for a 16-year-old. <laughs> no, definitely not. Definitely not. But I did take my uh, my 18-year-old that's uh, getting ready to start college for his graduation. He and I went out to Charlotte to the Ford Performance Racing School and spent oh, a couple wow. of days out there. So he had a great time with that. Well, I can tell you this. Um, a GT500 for a 60-year-old is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yes. it's, it's, it's everything you can not to get arrested in one of Carol's great legacy cars. Aaron, we really want you to keep it going, and we really appreciate you getting involved in the hobby, even though you know your real life in the banking world is part of it. But the foundation and uh, Shelby American and the hobby itself needs you. Uh, clubs like Mike Race Moxham and Team Shelby need you to keep this going to, because the Shelby name means just too much uh, for you to say, you know, honey, let's just retire and we'll just get out of this business and buy a house on the beach. you got to keep at it, Aaron. Promise us that. I will definitely promise you that. I really enjoy it. And my, and my wife knows that as well. She's happy to support me in this. And, um, you know, we can't do it without all the enthusiasts. And that's they're, they're what makes us all tick. And so it's just an honor for me to play my small part here. Well, I really appreciate your time. Ladies and gentlemen, it was our pleasure to be able to talk to Aaron Shelby. And, and if you have ever had a chance to go to a, a Team Shelby event or any of the Shelby events and to meet Aaron, go up to him and say hi. He's the real deal. Mike, you can vouch for that. Um, uh, is one of the true, uh, one of the friends in the hobby that you can just want to hang with all the time. Aaron, we, whenever you're in town, give us a call. We'll take you to Ford's garage and we'll buy you a cold one. That sounds yes. like a plan, John. I appreciate it. And Mike and uh, both of you, I really appreciate the friendship through the years and look forward to many more fun years ahead. Well, thank you. And Absolutely. Thank you. thank you so much for your time tonight, Aaron. And thank You're you. Welcome. Yeah, and thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for joining us here on the Mustang Owners Podcast. And remember, until next time, we'll catch you down the road.